Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank, KPMG, Drexel University, and the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabry. So Brian Powell, Junto Bicycle Works. Is that the actual name? Junto Bicycle Works? Junto. Junto. But okay. um, yeah, Junto is, um, you know, everything about this company uh, kind of ran through Philadelphia. And uh, the Junto Clubs were formed by Ben Franklin when he moved from Boston to Philadelphia. Um, it started as the Leather Apron Club. And it was mostly printers, but then it expanded and it was, you know, they talked about philosophy and politics. And a lot of people say, you know, in the taverns of Philadelphia, as uh, these juntos were occurring, and junto in Spanish means gathering together, that it was the precursor of the revolution. So these guys, the, the smartest kids in the city, the smartest guys in the city were getting together and talking about taxation without representation and, and the like. So it was... Uh, that's the genesis of what we're trying to build here. And, you know, it's more than a bike company. It's going to be a community. We want to really rally around the brand. We want to rally around mobility. We want to rally around a greener, more verdant future. We want to rally around getting rid of cars, uh, you know, avoiding traffic getting healthier and getting more engaged with your community. Uh, when you're out on a bike, you're, you know, you're pretty mindful. You're, you're, uh, you know, you're worried about what's in front of you. It's just you're living in the moment each time you pedal, which is even more healthy than, than just the exercise part of it. So, you know, I ride my bike about, I guess, about 26 miles a day. So I'm 55 and uh, soon to be 56, and, uh, you know, I don't sweat traffic anymore. So I ride 13 miles in and 13 miles back every day. So, um, yeah, uh, this whole idea, uh, you know, just kind of came to me. It happened to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done a bunch of uh, startups. I've been a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I've done five, in fact, Um with varying degrees of success. One was a bonanza, one was great, one failed, mm -hmm. one did okay, uh, one I'm still in the middle of, and now this one. So before we get into that level of detail, which I do want to hear and I love, I um, love to hear more about, you know, because most people will hear the name Junto and not appreciate why it's a bicycle company but you explained it with the gathering and this is a mm -hmm. community that you're trying to establish can you expand on that and how, how did you stumble upon the name or is it something you learned in you uh, know, high school history uh, kind of yeah i mean i uh, i'm a big fan of the walter isaacson books the genius series so i read the ben franklin the steve jobs i just finished the da vinci and einstein so Ben was our very own, you know, renaissance man. He was unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I, I knew. I, I, was, I was looking for something, you know, uh, I, I was looking for something sticky. I was looking for something that, that really represented Philadelphia, but, you know, wasn't like, you know, like Liberty Bell bicycles or, you know, 
Uh, it wasn't too obvious. It wasn't too obvious. You had to dig a little bit. And I think that, uh, you know, there's, there's a company that I'm really fond of out of Detroit called Shinola. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Uh, but, you know, it was the same thing. I mean, Shinola was shoe polish uh, that was made in Detroit. And as they decided to build this brand about and it was all about the renaissance of of Detroit, you know, they, they, they found this kind of clever little nugget dug in there, which I, I just think is is great marketing. It's yeah, and it served stuff. as inspiration for you. It did. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Brian Powell. Okay. Uh, and you're you're a proud Philadelphian, if I understand it correctly. I've so never lived anywhere else. I've never lived anywhere else. And I've uh, I've started companies with, with uh, national, international reach. But um, no, um, I, I was born and raised here, and I've stayed here. I've been really lucky. Um, I think I realized a long time ago uh, uh, what was happening to, um, you know, the, the whole man in the gray flannel suit ethos. Uh, I have a brother that worked for Xerox for like his entire life. I can't believe he made it through there. But I realized at a young age that I was going to have to do my own thing. If I wanted to stay here, which I did. I mean, like, I'm one of seven kids. Uh, everybody, except for my sister, uh, who's down in Florida but comes back and forth, is still here. My mom's 93. Uh, she's still up in northeast Philly. And uh, I just love this place. And uh, what I wanted to do all my life, and now I've gotten the opportunity, is to do something, you know, to give back something. And I, and I hope that doesn't sound gooey or saccharine but you know um you know i i just love philadelphia i want to be part of it i want to be part of its renaissance like like we were talking about with shinola uh i love this place so much i talk i talk it up all the time i kind of represent philadelphia in my travels uh and i i do it very proudly and and almost everybody i must have gotten 80 or 90 uh, emails and texts from people around the country saying, you know, go Eagles, go Eagles. So uh, I, I I grew up in in South Philly in Grace Ferry, and uh, my dad was a cop. My mom was a homemaker. Uh, they moved up because of the domicile laws. They moved up to Northeast Philly um, in uh, when I was still in grade school. I ended up going to LaSalle High School. I was very fortunate to be able to get out there and open my eyes to a lot of things. And I ended up over at uh, St. Joe's. So I'm like Philly through and through. Our first house was in uh, uh, in South Philly. Uh, we were kind of pioneers um, at, at uh, 27th and Bainbridge back in the day. And then we moved to Maniunk. And then we moved to Chestnut Hill, and I've been in Chestnut Hill for 20-plus years. So uh, I've always been in Philly. I've stayed in Philly. And uh, this, to me, is kind of a dream come true, to be able to build a brand that represents what I know about Philadelphia and also uh, lurches into the future. I mean, this is all about the future of mobility. This is a really big deal. And, you know, I, most people don't know what an e-bike is right now, which is good for us. So we've got an uphill climb and we're going to, you know, I really feel like we're going to change the way that people move uh, in urban areas. 10 to 15 mile radius from greater metropolitan areas are, are people that we're going to appeal to. 
uh, who can just leave the car at home. This could be your first car. This could be your second car. But we're not we're not trying to knock bikes off the road. We're going after cars. Talk a little bit about your vision for the company, and and specifically, it's not the bicyclist you're trying to replace, if you will. No. Um, so so talk with me a little bit more well, about your team's thinking my, around that. My, you know, uh, e-bikes were pretty popular in Europe. They were founded in Japan. They're all over Asia. They just never made it here. And when I f- I, I first saw one uh, in um, uh, in Cape May, and uh, I was riding my bike, and some big guy just flies by me, and I, I whistled, and he stopped, and I started talking to him, and I got on the bike, and I you know I talked him into it. I'm like, can I have a ride? And he said, yeah, why not? And uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to use this word on radio, but I, I, the, the first two words out of my mouth were And, you know, I was obsessed by it. It, it, This thing happened to me. So I just figured out, you know, I've I've been doing this for a long time. It's a good thing I'm not a young man. I may have gotten frustrated by this. But I, I figured out a lot of ways to expedite the process to really uh, jumpstart this thing. I've been at it now for 18 months. We just did a soft launch in um, December, uh, and we're going to do our, our, our big launch in March. So um, take me back to Cape May. How okay. long ago was that? 18 months ago. It was 18 months yeah. ago. And let me ask you this. I, I don't think it's going to be a hard question for you, but Europe, Japan, why haven't e-bikes taken off in the U.S.? I had no idea. But I can tell you this. This is funny. You know, after college, I it, like a lot of people, I went to Europe and got the Eurail Pass and, and the whole thing. And I was blown away while I was there. This is the 80s, that people were drinking bottled water. I was like, that's so weird. Why would people, you know, pay for water? Bottled water wasn't in America in the 80s. And people were drinking... Evian, all over the place in Europe, and it was a, a head-scratcher. Like, so we know what's happened to bottled water. So we're, we're a little late to the game in this. But I think that, you know, I mean, we still feel like America is limitless, that we can drive our escalades and we can throw our trash out the window. And to a degree, you know, America's a, a little infantile when it, you know on on the world stage you know we've got this big backyard and you know these giant oceans where we can just dump anything well people in the netherlands don't if people in europe people in japan i mean you know there's a what it's 150 million people in that archipelago um but they're stacked on top of each other you have to be very wealthy and very fortunate to have a car there so um this is the way that they get around um we are urbanizing rapidly as as a, as a society, and Philadelphia is urbanizing beautifully. You know, I mean, my niece and nephew live down in uh, South Philly off of Passyunk. They don't have a car. They don't need it. They're in their late 20s. They're going to have a family. They're scouting out schools, which warms my heart that people are coming back here. They don't need a giant McMansion and five houses or whatnot. They're very experiential. Um, so the millennials are going to be a key component to our growth. And one of my partners, well, two of my partners are millennials. So we've got this kind of, uh, you know, Felix and Oscar thing going on, this odd couple thing. Um, so it's it's kind of amazing that we're this mashup of, of boomers and millennials. And that was intentional. 
I mean, you know, when I met Sam, I said, you know, this kid is the future. This kid is brilliant. Um, I can teach him a lot. He can teach me a lot, which he has. That's great. Summer of 16, you're in Cape May. Mm -hmm. This guy whizzes by you on the bike. Yeah. You whistle him down. You convince him to allow you to take it for a spin. Yeah. What you do next after you get off the bike, after you had that holy moment? Yeah. What what you do next? I just obsessed for a while, and I started to research it. So um, I, you know, I I rented a house for a month, and um, I, I had some time to myself. I was there with my dogs, and, you know, I would go to the beach. I would go swimming. I would do all of these things. But, you know, for the last two weeks, all I did was research e-bikes. So uh, I, it's, I'm, it's kind of my personality. I'm, you woke I'm a, up dreaming in the middle of the night of e-bikes. I did. I, I really <laughs> did. In the fridge, there was an e-bike. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And uh, I found a couple of people. I found, I, I, I call this guy a Sherpa. His name is Ed Benjamin. Uh, Ed Benjamin is kind of the guru of e-bikes. And I found him through some research. And I reached out for him. I told him what we were up to. And uh, he speaks Mandarin. Uh, we had to go over there to uh, to access uh, parts and, and uh, the frames and whatnot. And he helped to guide, guide me through. And if I hadn't found him, I don't know if this would have ever happened. Tell us a little bit more about how you connected with Sam. How did this come together from Cape May to your Sherpa connection to right. Sam? Um, yeah, so it's a little bit like... Uh, you know, Dorothy in the Yellow Brick Road. I, I, I picked up these people along the way. Um, I know Sam's mother. She's a neighbor from Chestnut Hill. And she was walking her dog, and I was outside, you know, watering my pack of Sandra or something. And um, she came by, and I, you know, I just started riffing on this idea. And she stopped me. She goes, you got to meet Sam. And uh, I'm like, cool, yeah, I'll, I'll meet Sam, you know. That's your son, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's my son. He's been obsessed with bicycles since he was like nine years old. He worked in the local bike shop for free when he was a little guy. That's he, love. Just, just to hang out. He's worked at all the bike shops in, in, in and around Philly. He was like the, the head mechanic at Cadence, which used to be in, in Maniunk, uh, which is now right at, uh, it's at Ridge and Kelly, uh, right at that intersection where the bus, uh, bus stop is. Um, I brought him over and I told him about the idea, and he goes, uh, he's he's a, a Germantown friends kid, so he's he's like an intellectual. He's he's definitely very intellectual kid, uh, man, young man, not kid. Um, and he went to Kenyon College, so uh, again, very intellectual um, uh, foundation, uh, educational foundation. And I was talking about the Wright brothers. So I'm a bit of a history geek. I was talking about the Wright brothers. And the Wright brothers were bicycle mechanics, you know, that changed the world. And, uh, you know, I mean, that at Kitty Hawk, the, the flyer, um, the flyer was nothing more than a glorified bicycle with wings. And he looked at me with this, this crazy, you know, like, wait a minute, I just saw a ghost. And then he showed me a tattoo that he has of the flyer. Wow. He has the flyer like right right on his ribs. He goes, look at this. I just I'm got like, chills. Yeah, Brian. It, it was crazy. Because you know what I was thinking about as you were sharing this with us yeah. is um, you running into Sam's mom yeah. and having that conversation yeah. and having the courage, having the perspective, uh, the comfort mm -hmm. to share with her what you were actually thinking about. Right. 
And then for her to connect that with Sam yeah. and connect you guys and the tattoo yeah. and, and and it's a junto. It's right. it's, it's a gathering. Yeah. It's it's you know, it's the beauty of urban living. It's it's the beauty of Philadelphia. You know, Philly gets this weird rap. I think Philadelphians are unusually friendly. I mean, that's that's my take. But you know, I I know the terrain and whatnot. But I I I walk around Chestnut Hill, and this is why I scratch my head at my my suburban friends who live in cul-de-sacs uh, and see their neighbors every once. I walk around Chestnut Hill and talk to people all the time. I have for my entire life. I mean, just walk around and talk. That is to me. A brilliant future. That's you know that's that's the upside to having a smaller house. Maybe is you get to know your neighbors, you get to make these connections, which give me give me goosebumps. You know, I I know my neighbors. I I walk around town and I I know the people at Killian's and I know the people at all the stores and I know who walks. I I know the older people. I know the younger people. Um, and again, that's the whole thing about about Junto about being out and not in not in your car commuting you're out on your bike commuting connecting it's quintessential philadelphia that really friendliness is. factor that you were referencing yeah i feel it i see it as well yeah um you, you acknowledge people when they're walking down the street right. even total strangers exactly. and, and it startles people who are not used to that yeah and they're expecting uh, everybody to be walking with their head down and not acknowledging not making eye contact I, I, i've got a funny story for you so i um i ride uh across the walnut lane bridge from chestnut hill you know, near Delisandro's um, yep. and Chubby's there, yep. and then I uh, to go to Fishtown, and then I ride down Henry Avenue, get to Hunting Park, and then I get on Ridge, and I take Ridge down to Diamond, and then Diamond uh, down to Second uh, Street, which is where our office is. Um, in the spring, in the summer, right at uh, I guess that's 29th and Ridge, 29th and Ridge. There's this old guy who sits on his stoop. Outside, or in Philly, we call it steps. Uh, but he sits out there, and I would ride by at a predictable time every day. And as I rode by, he would yell out. He'd go, beep, 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 beep. And I drove by a couple times and looked at him. And finally, I stopped. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, why did, why did, he, why did he say beep, beep all the time? He goes, you're fast like the roadrunner. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I see you coming by. You're fast like the roadrunner. That's great. So, uh, yes, yeah, so that's, you know, in the spring, in the summer, I stop by, wave yeah. to him, and, and meet friends along the way. A great example of how, regardless of your neighborhood, you're all part of the same community. Exactly. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Um, I want to come back to some of that, but how do you describe to someone who's not familiar with e-bikes? Mm-hmm. First of all, how do you describe, well, you, you kind of did, but uh, Junto... And e-bikes. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's mobility. Um, it's not, first of all, I want to make sure that we're not knocking bicycles and bicycle commuting. Um, this is for people that have a little farther to go and maybe some hilly terrain to, uh, to overcome. But what a bicycle is, is you kind of think of it this way, because it's pedal assist. Um, you can press a button and go from you plus 10%, 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. So if you press it up to level six, um, you're, uh, there's two of you on the bike. 
So the motor is producing as much torque as you are, as, as the human is. So when you need it, you just dial it up. Uh, going up a hill, going up Midvale Avenue in, uh, in East Falls. I mean, I, I've gone up Midvale Avenue, and I've gone up, uh, uh, is it Lyceum, the, the wall in Manion, mm-hmm. with my hands off the handlebars. So in in high torque. So it's kind of amazing. So it takes the hills out of the equation. Um, I make it from, again, Chestnut Hill down to Fishtown in, in, in about 30 minutes. And my commute on any given Friday is about 90 in a car. Right. So that that's what it is. You just keep moving. Uh, you know, all of the bottlenecks you can uh, avoid, you can s- skirt around. You know, it's it's a little thing. It's a little nimble thing uh, as opposed to a car or motorcycle. You do not need a license to, to ride one of these, uh, and you can park it just about anywhere. So uh, it's funny. I can just picture you. Uh, to just shout, hey, Ma, no hands when you're riding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talk with us, Brian, a little bit about um, how fast you can go, how large is the battery, and how long can you go without a charge? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on your size. So I'm I'm a fairly big guy. Uh, I'm, you know, a 200-pounder. So I can go about 40 to 50 miles on a single charge. So I can go back and forth and back and forth pretty much. I, I can do two days on one charge. Um, so if you're if you're smaller, you could commute all week from Chestnut Hill to Fishtown. Uh, you know, a, a 120 pound woman could do you know 60 60 plus miles uh, on a single charge. And do you plug it in just like you would anywhere else? Just like your phone. Okay. Just like your phone. Now, if if you live in an apartment, you can take the battery off, park your bike outside, take the battery off, bring it up upstairs, charge it overnight, put it back on and ride off. But if you have the benefit of uh, a garage or whatever, you just bring the bike in, you plug it in, uh, you, you set it for about six hours, a uh, six-hour charge, and you're good to go for another 60 miles. And how big is this battery? Is it is it um, you know sitting on the back of the bike? Is it in embedded it, in the gears? It's it's on the uh, it's on the down tube. It looks like a, a fairly big water bottle. Is is what I would describe it, and it's it's kind of heavy. It's lithium-ion batteries, and my partner Sam will be able to tell you a lot more about the details. Yeah, he's the kind of bike geek, and uh, you know he's done all kinds of crash courses uh, on uh, you know on the design and and uh, and whatnot. Um, but he can he can really give you a lot of good feedback on uh, on that. Does the user ever have to take the battery off the crossbar? You or? don't you don't have to, but you can. Okay. Uh, Brian Powell, founder and CEO, Junta Bikes, J-U-N-T-O, bikes.com. That's right. Uh, Talk with us a little bit about why Greater Philadelphia. I know you're passionate, you're native, but you've started five different companies, some of varying success. I want to hear a little bit more about that, but talk with us about why Philadelphia and not, for example, Long Beach, California, where right. a lot of people would think, you know, e-bike, yeah, yeah. it'd be a nice spot to, to do, a, or Florida, or yeah. you know, some other tropical location, if you will. Yeah, well, I, I'm not leaving here, and that's the bottom line. Uh, I love this place. I love this idea. 
Um, you know, it's kind of a chocolate and peanut butter moment, you know. Uh, Philadelphia is an ideal place to, it's been an ideal place to test it because of our topography. I mean, you know, we're in two river valleys, you know, the Schuylkill and, uh, and the Delaware, but especially the Schuylkill, especially where I live, I'm 600 feet above sea level, and that's a long hill to get up to Chestnut Hill and Mount Airy. Um, so as we were developing, you know, what we're going to need for this topography, we believe that if we built a bike in Philadelphia for Philadelphians, it would be as good as any bike in the world for everybody else. Because we've got potholes, we've got trolley tracks, we've got cobblestone streets, dead dogs, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's some crazy stuff out there that uh, that you're driving past but especially this winter it's been it's been tough there's there are some potholes out there but I've got we've got big pneumatic tires we've got 29 inch tires that are like akin to like an old motorcycle tire these things just take a beating and uh, really just eat the hills eat everything that we throw at it but that was our our idea from the get-go is like this city is tough on a bike is really tough on a bike but this bike takes everything that this city throws at it and just gobbles it up. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit, no pun intended. Uh, father of two? Father of two. I know this has probably changed over time. Uh-huh. How do you describe to your kids what you do? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I, uh, I'm very competitive. I've always been competitive, sometimes too competitive. I, I just think that it's very fulfilling uh, to have the ability. Um, you know, I guess, you know, one of the, the great obstacles as a young man is access to capital. You don't have the knowledge. Uh, you don't have access to capital. And a lot of young entrepreneurs have a great idea, but they, they run into the mud. Um, I've had, I, I have a lot of friends uh, from across the country, but it's interesting that I have friends uh, that have, have invested in this company from grade school, high school, and college, and my working career. So all Philadelphians, all Philadelphians. Um, it's about having an idea, and how I explain this to my children is, you know, this is what makes America great. Um, but it, it takes a lot of takes a lot of courage, I suppose. Um, you dodge a lot of bullets. Uh, you deal with a lot of anxiety and stress, and sometimes it frays the nerves. I've gotten I've gotten a lot better at it as I've gotten older, but I couldn't be more fulfilled. Um, I feel like a man in full. I, I'm incredibly happy with my 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 life, with my wife, with my kids, with my three dogs, with my neighborhood, with my city. With your e-bike. And with my e-bike, with my Junto, with my partners. Um, and that just comes, I guess, with experience, but it comes th through the challenges. I'm teaching Sam and Mike a little bit about the challenges. These guys are going to be tomorrow's entrepreneurs. These guys are learning. And my other partner, Simon, and I made sure we talk about that. Like, hey, man, they're going to have to feel a little bit of this hurt, you know, because, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Uh, there are naysayers. Every entrepreneur will tell you this. Like, you know, people laugh at you and they, they disparage you and you just run the gauntlet. Um, but once you turn the corner, I mean, you know, I love I love the old adage, you know, uh, 
uh, after 10 years, I'm, I'm an overnight success. You know, you yeah. hear that from a lot of entrepreneurs. But, um, you know, it's hard, but it's so worth it. And my son is in a band in Philadelphia called RFA, um, and they're about to go out on tour. And my son's an entrepreneur. My, my son, he's a, a Dean's List uh, summa cum laude at Temple, and he will uh, graduate this year. He's had a part-time job his whole, uh, his whole life. He works at the food co-op in, in Chestnut Hill. He still, he still plugs 20 hours. He's in two bands. He's a summa cum laude. Um, they're selling merchandise. He's an entrepreneur. He gets it. So I don't know what I imparted to him, but he gets it, and he wants to do it, and he has the courage to do it. Um, my daughter is also at Temple. We're big Temple fans. Um, she's in the entrepreneurship and the um, Fox uh, yeah, school. Fox School of Business, School of Entrepreneurism, and, yeah. And she's crushing it. And she also has a job. Uh, she works for a marketing company doing demos in like Whole Foods and places like that. And I don't know how she got it. Yeah, but that's great. She's she's a little rock star. Talk with us a little bit about your first entrepreneurial experience, how you came to do that, and then the next three or four that came beyond that. Sure. Um, I worked for Donald Rumsfeld uh, at Cyril. Um, I worked for the NutraSuite company, which was a pretty good gig. Uh, the, back in the day, those little blue packets called Equal were quite a rage, and my job was to get those on the tabletops of America, um, and I did. Um, and I, they paid me a lot of money. Uh, it was only one product. It was patented. You know, it was unbelievable. It was like an unbelievably great job for a young guy. But I was bored to tears. And I met the CEO of a company called Balance Bar, which was pretty much the second energy bar out there. The first uh, energy bar was Power Bar. And Balance Bar came and they were, you know, they, they, they juxtaposed themselves as the good tasting energy bar. Uh, 40 carbs, 30 fat, 30 protein. It was the zone diet. Anyway, I met the CEO at a party in California. And he, he just said, you know, I want you to work for us. And I'm like, wow, you know, I got this unbelievable gig right now. Uh, you know, can you pay me this this number? I'd, I'd, I'd love to look into it. And he just laughed at me. So I was intrigued by it, obsessed. Yeah. Um, talked to him, talked to him, talked to him. Uh, took half the salary that I was making, half the bonus that I was making. And it was a raw startup. Uh, we ramped that up to about $100 million in revenue. We sold it to Kraft uh, back in the day for about $268 million. And, uh, you know, I was hooked. Yeah. I, I, I saw it from the ground level. I was there, the ramp up, the, the, it was just a rush. And you're like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. So I started my own this time called All Good Organics um, with my current partner, Simon Good. And that was interesting. Um, we started, we, we were really on the vanguard of the organic food Revolution, you know. So we we wanted to start an organic food company, packaged consumer product goods. We wanted to start that, and we we wanted to make an organic energy bar that nobody had made yet. We made it. Um, we ran into some venture capitalists from San Francisco, and they really just sucked the life out of it. Um, I know that there may be some venture capitalists out there 
uh, listening to us, but I'm not a fan of what they do. And we took the cheese too early, um, and it was it was a grave mistake. Uh, we could have been, you know, I mean, we were we were a little early, but I mean, when I look back on that, I just shake my head because we 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 missed it by we we missed it by engaging with this VC firm. Looking on the bright side, you learned. We did. You got had had a great experience That's coming right. out of that. Yeah. That's right. So uh, after that, I started a consulting company, BMP, and I help uh, small um, brands, emerging brands, and I'm still doing that today. Uh, in the interim, I was working with a brand called Stirrings um, that asked me to come on full time, um, and Stirrings was sold to Diageo, the world's largest uh, liquor company, and that was a nice uh, that was a nice run. I was I was there longer than I expected. I was there for five years, longer than I expected, and uh, that was great. Uh, we got out of that. We sold that to uh, Diageo, and then I started Powell and Mahoney, which is a cocktail mixer company, which you can go out and buy Powell and Mahoney. Uh, just about anywhere. We're in all the Whole Foods. We're in Target. We're in Walmart. It's a machine. No, it's no. a cocktail mixer. Cocktail mixer. It's Shaker? A, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> I just snorted. Uh, no, it's like um, a margarita and Bloody Mary mix. Oh, it's the mix. The actual yeah, mix itself. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's mix. Yeah. I should yeah, say yeah, mix, yeah, not yeah, mixer. Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, yeah. Is there booze in it or you no, add your booze? No, yeah. it's not alcoholic. Okay. Um, and we kind of dominate the premium space. So it's made in small batches up in Vermont. Um, and we do an extraordinary Bloody Mary, Sriracha Bloody Mary, Chipotle Bloody Mary, margarita, um, a mango margarita. We do a Bellini mix. Uh, and we just introduced uh, four new sodas, including a ginger beer, a tonic, and a blood orange ginger beer, which is knocked out. Um so I'm still engaged with that, um, and it's uh, it's going quite well. And that's great. And Junto has given you additional fuel to keep uh, yeah, that passion going, that, if you will. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, it, it, Powell and Mahoney doesn't need my. Uh, it needs managers now. Uh, it's kind of past that entrepreneurial phase. It needs managers, and we hired managers. But it's it's given me time to. Continue to consult. I'm, con- I'm consulting with some really cool companies like Dr. D's, which is a sparkling probiotic, uh, VUCA, which is an, an energy drink, So Good, So You, uh, which is a cold press juice company. Lots of great companies that I'm working with. Um, but in the interim, this happened to me. Junto just happened to me. Yeah, literally. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, there's nothing I could do. It's Imagine if like, you weren't in Cape May that day. I know. It's just yeah. like, like, take me away, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. yours. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And that's, so, talk with us a little bit, Brian, about um, Philadelphia's entrepreneurial community. I yeah. mean, I, I don't know if you feel like you walk in that space. You certainly are successful in it, but I don't know if you feel like you're plugged into it as you know, an not. entrepreneur. Yeah. I'm not. But but is there something about this community that causes you to say, you know what, this is in our DNA and we're going to do it. You know, we're, we're a city and a region of firsts, and, and this is another first that we can launch. I, I actually think the opposite uh, of, of that. Um, I have... I've had a lot of dealings with people in in Boston. Um, there's a great book by a Chestnut Hill uh, man, Digby Baltzell, Puritan, Boston, Quaker, Philadelphia. 
uh, which is, or it might be the other way around. It's been a while since I read that. Yeah. But, you know, I think that our Quaker heritage, you know, this book attacks the question, you know, can a place create a, a person? Can it, can, can it affect generation after generation people and make them similar? Um, and I, I think that that's possible. I mean, you know, you and I walking around as Philadelphians, I think, are pretty similar to people walking around in the 1920s. I mean, technology and all this other stuff. But at the core, um, we're, we're, we're pretty similar. I know that there's great entrepreneurs here in Philly, but throughout my life, there's been a brain drain. You know, in, in Boston, they had MIT and, and, and Harvard and the like, and people went to school and they stayed there. People came to school here and they split. That's changing, yes. thank God. But uh, no offense to anybody from Boston who may be listening to this, but um, I take that personally. I, th- I, I think... Uh, and the, the whole Eagles Patriots thing uh, hit home. Uh, I think that we are a genuine, trustworthy uh, uh, people down down here. I think that there's a little bit of a an entitlement thing going on up in Boston that makes it a little slippery. But I've I've made this. I'm, I'm I was born and raised Catholic. I'm I'm an Irish Catholic, and there's a lot of us in and around Philly, and a lot of Italian Catholics and whatnot. But I've come to the realization in Philadelphia that um, I, no one from my wedding party is divorced. Not a single one. We we, we like we like mate for life. <laughs> right. You know, we had these we, we had these incredible role models. My parents were married for for forty. My father passed away, but for forty plus years, and then all my friends. Parents, we had these incredible role models, and we all stayed here. Yeah, we all stayed here. So, I mean, there's something really. If I were to start a business, I'd look at that. Yeah, you know, look at these people. These people love it here. They stay together. The network is strong, and they're really honorable people. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of one of the things I like about yeah where I, we are. I got one more question for you, but I will come back to this uh, notion of the Quakerism because I've heard this and mm-hmm. I've observed it as well that there is a theory that our Quaker roots actually limit us mm-hmm. because we're we're a little more passive. We're Timid. not as aggressive, mm-hmm. right? We're a little more timid. We're kind. Kind. Yeah. Kind right, is the right. word. Yeah. Uh, to the point where we actually hurt ourselves mm-hmm. because a more aggressive or a more assertive. Uh, community will come in and, and like the Puritans, yeah, you know, stamp on us, right? Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like Bill Ironically. Belichick. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've traveled. You, you, your work has taken you around the world. Uh-huh. You, you've gone on personal and professional trips and experienced other parts of the world. Um, and I, I suspect this has evolved over time as well. What do you tell people from other places about Philadelphia and why Philadelphia is such a great ecosystem? I think I just uh, w- that's one of the key stories is this kind of we're like Mormons, you know, that, that, that you know, we, we, we stay here and we made for life. Um, I tell them that story. I, I talk about, you know, our proximity to New York and Washington, to the mountains, to nature, to the beach. Um, and frankly, I mean, I love traveling and I, I've loved going to all these places and learning. I love learning. Um but if I never got on a, a plane again, I, I wouldn't really care. I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on traveling. And, you know, I live on the Wissahickon. I live on a 10,000-acre nature preserve. I go in there every day with my dogs and walk for five or six miles. 
I mean, I, I tell people that. They're like, in Philly? I'm like, yeah, in Philly. It's unbelievable. I cannot see another person. I go in there at 6 o'clock in the morning and not see another person until I come out. My dogs and I just walk five or six miles. It's incredible. And when you do see another person, you actually talk with them. And smile. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, greet them. Yeah. 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 And, you, and usually know them. Yeah, right, you know? right. It's just like, and, and that's the other thing about Philly is that, you know, there's like two degrees of separation. It's true. You know, it's yeah. just like, you know, if you don't know this person, you know their cousin or you went to school with somebody. And, you know, ultimately it's like, hey, do you know or where are you from? Where'd you go to high school? Um, you know, it, which is just brilliant, which is I, it makes me happy. And I don't know if I'm in, uh, if I'm unusual if I don't if I'm, if I'm an odd duck, uh, I don't think that I am, but I don't know how anybody cannot be happy here. Um, and uh, maybe I am an odd duck. I'm just an optimist. But I, I you know, uh, the the weather's great. Um, you know, the sports teams are great. The community's great. Uh, everything about this place, I think, is epic. Growing Greater Philadelphia is supported in part by many of our investors and partners, including Liberty Property Trust. They're a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Liberty Property Trust has been creating environments that have been helping businesses realize their full potential for nearly 50 years. To learn more about the Philadelphia Navy Yard and other Liberty Properties, visit libertyproperty.com. And by Drexel University. Drexel was founded in 1891. They're one of the region's top 10 private employers with three campuses in Philadelphia. Learn more about Drexel University at drexel.edu. Check out all of our podcasts on radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. Philadelphia.